Hey, howdy. This is Trent, and I am part of No Walls Worship, which is an alternative mobile church but not church kind of thing that we do with Bee Creek UMC. It is Saturday night, April 14th, and I am getting ready for service tomorrow. We're going to be back at the Crystal Creek Distillery. Um, we've been there running there a little bit and those folks are really nice and we've enjoyed the relationship and uh, if you haven't checked them out yet you should you should check out Crystal Creek Distillery whether it's with no walls or without no walls Uh, they're good folks we're coming off the crawfish boil which was just uh, exceeded my expectations I'm so so pleased with how it's turned out I don't have an official number of how many people came, but it was more than I expected. We had somewhere between 200 and 300. I know that's a big range. One count was 220. Another count was somewhere in the 250, 260. Another count was we had 150 plates, and we were out of the 150 plates halfway through the line. So anyway, it's not about numbers. Uh, It was more about lots of smiles and... Uh, lots of hugs and handshakes and good times. So I was really, really pleased. I was also really overwhelmed by your generosity. Uh, we had sort of last minute said, hey, let's try to raise some money for Spicewood Elementary. We'll buy this trauma curriculum. We needed $1,000 to buy the trauma curriculum and didn't pass a plate, just opened a guitar case and told you what the need was. And John started playing the music and I stepped back and next thing I know people were one by one kind of flooding in the guitar case with checks and cash and it was uh that was one of the more special things I've seen and we more than raised enough money we we had more than enough and we were able to buy the trauma curriculum the principal from Spicewood Elementary is so excited and so happy and so grateful for the partnership and we were also able to do a couple of other really cool projects for Spicewood Elementary. So um, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks for being there. Thanks for sharing Easter Eve with us. I'm I'm even more excited about our third annual, which will be next year on Easter Eve. Anyway, um, we're going to be back at Crystal Creek Distillery, like I said, tomorrow, April 15th, 11 a.m. Uh, it'll be in the past by the time you hear this. And then we're going to be at Crystal Creek for our next three, April 15th, May 6th, May 20th. Let's see what kind of things can happen with a little rhythm there. Uh, the people at Crystal Creek Distillery, thank you too. Uh, during the during the crawfish boil, they had a line in the distillery for the bar. Gosh, out the door for two and a half hours, they said, and uh, he said, even though it was just a couple of them making drinks, everybody was kind <laughs> the whole time. Nobody got impatient. Nobody threw a fit. Just everybody was kind and happy and patient, and uh, they were very overwhelmed by that. So um, thank you for all of it. All right. Uh, I'm going to roll into this message, get myself ready for tomorrow, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. The title of this one is Dance with Somebody. Dance with Somebody. Let's roll. 
I keep waiting for one of you to come up to me after one of these messages and call me to account. I keep waiting for one of you to say to me, Trent, (laughs) you think you're tricky, but you are delivering the same message over and over and over. The stories change, of course. The verses from the Bible we lean on are different. And what I'd probably say to you is you're right. There's, There's a subtext to each and every one of these. I'd say there's three main threads that I'm always tugging on. The first is that God isn't scary. God isn't scary. The God of the universe is for you, loves you, conspires for all things to work together for your good, for the good. And let me be careful that you didn't hear me say that all things will be good, but that all things will work together for good. God isn't scary. The second thing that I'm always tugging at is that the Bible is kind of awesome. Not kind of, it is. It's loaded with richness and meaning and y'all, it's loaded with life. And I'm not a scholar, but here's, here's what my experience has been. My experience has been that every time I find something that's really awesome outside of the Bible, like some concept in a self-help book or a motivational thing or even a concept from another religion, I find threads and resonance of those very same core things in the Bible. We did this, I showed this to you a few weeks ago. There's this Buddhist concept called Shoshin. And Shoshin is about approaching life with a beginner's mind, a childlike mind. And in the Bible, Jesus' teaching was that in order to be part of this better kingdom, this better way of living that he was always teaching about, we have to be childlike. We have to come to him, approach others like a child, like a beginner, without all the baggage from our past or experience that we drag around. And then the third thing that I feel like I'm always trying to get at is that half the battle, maybe maybe more than half of life, of, of living a good life, maybe what you would call a Christian life, is just being present. And I shouldn't say just because it's hard work, but being present in the moment. Simultaneously letting go of what holds us back from the past and then at the same time, releasing any anxiety we might feel about the future. It's just, just (laughs) being awake to the beauty and the blessing and the stokedness of this life right in front of us. And y'all, in the middle of all that, another thing that I'm always trying to get at, and this is more about my approach than a theme, but it's... um, it's an approach because it's something I believe. I, I'm never I'm never trying to convince you of anything. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm not up here selling steak knives for $19.99, free shipping and handling. I, I'm only trying to remind you and remind myself of things that you already believe. I'm always just trying to shine a light on things that are true. And what I can say 
confidently is that I'm not always going to get that right. I'm not always going to be true, 100% accurate, 100% dialed in. I can't promise that. But uh, the thing I can promise is that I'm always going to try to touch those things. If you've been around, um, you know that I've been working through the parables. I've been studying and talking about the stories that Jesus told. And y'all, you would have thought that I'd have run out of parables by now, but there's still more. And (laughs) there's, there's actually some really weird ones that I'm excited about coming up. This one's a little weird too. But here's, here's what I know. You can understand a person. You can know the person better by the stories they tell. My sister is in town with my mom and dad, and I think she'll be at service tomorrow. I know she'll be at service tomorrow. And she tells really good stories. My sister tells good, funny stories. And y'all, I remember this one time, my dad was excited about this story, and he wouldn't tell me the story because my sister was there too and he knew my sister would tell it better <laughs> and so he made me wait and here's the thing my my sister she tells these funny stories because there's a lightness to her a humility to her an empathy about the way she lives her life but my sister tells great funny stories not because great and funny things happen to her and great and funny things don't happen to other people she tells these great funny stories because here's the secret she's paying attention so I believe we understand Jesus better by understanding his stories All right, this, this is one of the stories that Jesus told. It's in Matthew 25, it's verses 1 through 13, I mean I read all 13, but it's called the parable of the ten bridesmaids. All right, this is verse 1. Jesus said, red words, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, They all became drowsy. They all became drowsy. They all fell asleep. But at midnight, they were roused from sleep by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, the wise bridesmaids, we don't have enough for all of us, go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. And I think I'll stop there. All right. 
So there's a lot here um, already, and I didn't read the last three verses. <laughs> the main thing to know is people had been asking Jesus this question. If you look back over the last couple chapters, people have been asking Jesus, you keep talking about this better kingdom, this better kingdom of heaven, and how someday it's all going to come true, and the world is messy right now, and you're promising a better world. When, when will all this happen, and how will we know it's time? And like Jesus tends to do, he doesn't answer these questions directly. He rattles off three different parables. And this parable, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, is one of those stories that he tells. There's other weird stuff here. I mean, we could deal with the symbolism of these lamps. We could talk about the five foolish and five wise. Why were there ten? There's just a lot. And and you know this about me. I'm usually trying to find a weird angle into these stories, something subtle that we might have missed or, you know, something small that I feel like is the core of it. But today, today what I want to try to do is just go right down the middle of the main analogy of this story. And I'm going to try to throw, I'm going to try to throw you a fastball. (laughs) I used to say when I was preaching over at the main campus that Laura is just fastball pitcher. She throws fastball, 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 and it's good, hard, solid stuff. And sometimes what I think why I'm appealing is I throw a curveball. It's a little um, out of the ordinary, but too many curveballs can be a bad thing. Anyway, all right. Um, so the the simple answer to this question, when when will the better world come? When will the Son of Man come again? Jesus' answer, and this I think this is kind of funny, it's kind of, <laughs> through this parable, he's saying, don't worry about it, <laughs> right? Um, when is all this going to come to pass? Like, you say you're going to come again, there's going to be a better life, better kingdom, and he gives them the story, and it's like a big don't worry about it. That's not your concern. Here's what I want from you. I just want your lamps to be ready. I went into um, Starbucks to pick up a coffee the other afternoon. And I emphasize afternoon because I don't usually go into a Starbucks in the afternoon. But y'all, I was I was feeling a little bit sluggish and I was headed to an afternoon meeting up in North Austin and I was going to be there with some of our local leaders. And frankly, I wasn't really excited about this meeting, but I knew I needed to show up well. So Starbucks in the afternoon. <laughs> and frankly, Starbucks in the afternoon is kind of creepy. At 1.30 p.m., um, it looks different. But I've, I've gotten into this habit of where I do a mobile order. I punch in my order on my phone, and it's there ready for me to pick up when I roll in. And in the mornings, I found that that's really awesome, that there's this long line of people and you can just sort of slide in and slide out super fast, almost without anybody knowing you're there. But I, I've made it this point, like even in the mornings, you can slide in and slide out. Your, your coffee's just sitting there on the counter. You really, really don't even have to talk to anybody or make any eye contact. But I, I make it a point to try to say thank you to the baristas back there and have a little human encounter. But when you do a mobile order in the afternoon, 
you are likely to be the only mobile order waiting. Uh, you're going to be the only one there. It's the, going to be the only cup of coffee sitting on the counter. And I didn't realize that that was weird, but it's weird. As soon as I walk in, I have this realization because the barista is behind the counter and she's kind of leaning back against it. And there's really just one other dude in there in the whole Starbucks working on his laptop. And for the first time, I can actually hear the music playing over the sound system and this barista she pops up from the counter right away like like my puppy does when she's been in her kennel for a while and she sees us walk in the room and she's not put off she's not upset to be getting up off her lean on the counter she's excited she makes eye contact with me right away and y'all her soul is smiling at me (laughs) she is ready to make me a coffee And y'all, I felt guilty right away. I I have the mobile order. It's sitting on the counter, lonely-like. I don't need you, barista. Thanks anyway. Get out of here. But there she was, eager to help. And y'all, I I work with people that manage frontline people, frontline employees. And I'm walking out of the door and I'm thinking this barista, she has at least, she has at least in that moment, these, I don't know, this magic sauce, the magic sprinkles that every manager of people wants from their team. They want, they desire an eagerness to serve, a readiness to help, this being up on your toes, looking for someone to help. And and then in the car, on the way to this meeting with my mobile order coffee, I realized that it's not just what I want from my bank tellers and it's not just what Starbucks wants from the baristas and it's not what Maddie's wants from their hostesses. It's this is the mindset that I want in myself. Now here's the thing. Somewhere in the employee files for that barista is a list of performance objectives. Rules of the road for her job. And I'm I'm not sure how it's worded, but there's something probably overly grandiose and overly optimistic about making Starbucks customers feel at home. There's probably something in there about being welcoming, having attitude of service. I don't know. And we... You and me, we don't have performance objectives. But we do have a responsibility to show up for people. Y'all, I was inspired by Joe Williams. Y'all know Joe. Joe's the Vikings fan, the Astros fan. And um, I think he's an Astros fan. Or is that Bobby? Maybe, hmm... That's interesting. Anyway, you know Joe. You see Joe at No Walls all the time. And um, I'm hoping Joe will let me tell this story. Um, (laughs) Because Joe's not here to give me permission on the recording. And I hope if he's there tomorrow, he'll give me permission to tell it. Because it would be awkward if I started to tell this story. And he said, no, Trent, you can't tell it. I think you'll be okay. Anyway, Joe was telling me about this devotional he was a part of, and I think it was in the Just Men's group. There's this this group of dudes that get together on the first Thursday of the month, and 
Jay Spencer leads it. It's usually at his house and he says it's a ministry, but really I'm going to tell you the secret. It's, it's really just a bunch of guys eating chips and drinking beer. And then they do a devotional from time to time. But anyway, in this devotional, Joe was saying they gave the group a challenge. It was that over the coming week, they were to have their antenna up for someone that's struggling and no specific instructions other than just be ready to do something to encourage and help. So Joe's excited, maybe a little nervous. His lamp is ready. He's ready to light it. And he comes across this clerk. He can tell as he's walking up to her that there's some kind of sadness or, or maybe it's just boredom, but he senses something in her body language. And so Joe, he looks her in the eye and he looks her in the eye in that way that you do to let someone know that you're really trying to make a human connection and you're not just about to say some throwaway nicety. And he asks, how are you? And she sees this and she picks up on the cue of his eye contact and his demeanor that this is real, you know, this is a real question. But I'm sure as most of us, we may not quite be trusting yet, not sure how far to go. But she kind of groans at Joe and says, oh, just two more hours of work and then I'm out of here or something like that. And in this response, Joe feels something. He feels a little nudge and it prompts him to ask another question. He says something like, well, do you have something planned, fun planned for this weekend? And um, that's when it opens up. And y'all, I'm going to sidebar because I'm telling you, these little clues are all around us, all of the time. I mean, all of the time. If if our eyes would just be open to see them. But, but I think when we feel that whatever it is we're sensing is difficult or beyond our strength or time-consuming, we might turn away from these moments. We lean back against the counter and hope someone else will step up. But what Joe finds out by stepping up is that this clerk's husband is having some kind of operation, and I'm not remembering now whether it was cancer or just a surgery or something with his heart, but the clerk's husband is sick and sick serious and she's taking him into the hospital the next day and she's worried. She's worried. She's carrying this worry with her, carrying it around with her. And as she's scanning Joe's groceries and the folks before him, she's thinking about her husband with every beep of the register and his So Joe gets her name, gets her story, and he does something really simple. He, he circles back to get a card. He gets this card. He circulates it around. He lets folks from the men's group sign it. He asks people at No Walls to sign it. And in it, in this card, are at least two dozen people 
giving this clerk at HEB words of strength and words of encouragement. They're saying things like, we don't know you, but you're our sister and we love you. We are praying for your family. Y'all, we have a responsibility to show up for one another. We have a responsibility to be ready, to have our lamps ready to light. And I want you to notice one that last thing about this parable. There are five foolish bridesmaids and five wise bridesmaids. And notice that they all did fall asleep when the day was long, when the bridegroom was taking longer than they expected. They all paused to take a rest. But the wise ones were the ones who had extra oil in their lamp. They were ready. And I'm going to try to illustrate this and the message with a a physical thing. I'm going to ask two folks to come up and what I'm going to have one of them do is hold a, a cup, a small little plastic cup. Crystal Creek has these little small, you know, eight ounce glow in the dark cups. And inside the cup is going to be just some pens. I think they're Bee Creek pens that I carry around in the box that we carry our supplies in. And I'm going to have somebody else grab that person's hands while they're holding this cup with the pins in it. And I want them to shake it hard. I mean, not violent, but <laughs> hard enough that those pins, as they shake, the arms are going to fall out of the cup into the ground. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the two people who volunteer, who shook the cup and the pins fell out onto the ground, why did the pens fall onto the ground? Simple question. And the first answer is probably going to be, well, because you shook my hands. And then the second answer is going to be, well, maybe it's because, and already starting to wonder, this is a weird little game. There must be a trick to this. Maybe it's because the cup's edges weren't high enough. It wasn't tall enough to contain the pens. Maybe they'll get frustrated and eventually say, The pens fell out of the cup because of gravity trend. Gravity, that's the way it works. It pulls things to the ground. But the thing that they're not going to guess and then the reveal is going to be this. Pens fell out of the cup because there were pens in the cup. When your arms were shaken, what was in the cup is what was able to come out. We are, we are able to light our lamp because there is oil ready in the lamp. It's about being ready. And y'all, we can do this in so many ways, right? I mean, we take quiet time to spend in prayer and meditation to center ourselves, to understand what our steps of obedience should look like. It gets us whole. We come to service, whether it's no walls or somewhere else, to see our friends and 
We come, though, to remind ourselves of core truth. To understand what's really important. We do other things. We spend time serving others. And that's a weird one, right? Because there's this weird alchemy of when you pour out in service, you somehow get filled up in return. And the more you pour out in service, the more you get filled up. And it makes your lamp ready. And then we also do simple things like we spend time doing the things we love. If it's gardening, we put our hands in the dirt. If we love music, we put our fingers on strings. We we can also just practice gratitude. When we take a sip of wine or a bite of food, we just are grateful for it. We praise for it. Maybe you say, man... <laughs> this steak doesn't have to taste so good. didn't have to be cooked so perfectly. This wine didn't have to be so delicious. We can just celebrate these common graces and all the goodness in the world. We spend our time doing this. When we spend our time doing this, we are loading up our lamps with oil because we know we will be called on to light them. And when we are shaken, if there are pens in the cup, <laughs> pens will come out of the cup. If we have oil in our lamps, we will be ready to light them. I hope this felt like a fastball. Straight down the middle. Complicated question and the answer Jesus gives is just be ready. <laughs> Even if you fall asleep, be ready with oil in your lamp. When I was walking out of Starbucks, after interacting with that barista, and um, I was still kind of feeling guilty for my mobile order, but right as I was walking out the door, I noticed that the song that was playing over the music system, it was Whitney Houston's song, I Want to Dance with Somebody. You know that song? I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. I apologize for that. <laughs> and maybe that's what got my attention. That's what I really noticed is... That's what the clerk was. She was ready to dance. She wanted to dance. She was ready to light her lamp. She... I'm mixing my metaphors now. <laughs> but as you go out this week, here's what I want. I want you to be ready to light your lamp. Have plenty of oil. Be ready to dance. I want you to be ready to dance with somebody. All right. That's it. Had fun. Talk to you next time.